Welcome to the Defend the North podcast. I'm your co-host, Dana Eisfeld. I'm joined today by cousin Isaac. Isaac, are we still doing a podcast? (laughs) Listeners want to know. Yeah, I was I was starting to question myself, man. Uh, summer gets crazy, guys. I don't know, but uh between it all, we've made it back. Here we are. So, let's let's get rolling on it, huh? Yeah, yeah, we got it. We're hopefully going to be rolling out a, a a kind of a different format for a while at least, kind of a yeah. power pod. Power um pod. It's been a a hot minute and literally has been very hot. Uh, with temps, yeah. you know, creeping up into the 90s in my lawn, my suburban lawn as a suburban dad. Um, is very brown and I accept it, but you know, um, that's something you got to look forward to. Remember that conversation we had about, uh, after Christmas when you got your little computer electronic vacuum thingy, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. pretty soon they'll, they'll have, I mean, they do have lawnmowers that are like that, right? Just set it out on the lawn. You got to like trace the lawn through like on the, on the program and then it'll just mow your lawn for you. What I would prefer, I don't mind mowing the lawn, is like, because I'm all about water conservation. I would like a device that like would go across your lawn and like evenly distribute water just enough, just enough. Mm. And, you know, but I'm continuing to add landscape beds so that I have less and less grass because that's the key, really. If you're really, because, you know, Kentucky bluegrass, which is what most suburban lawns are made of, literally have one to two inches of root growth, which means as soon as you get seven hot days, you're talking about, you know, your lawn's burning up. Um, it looks mm. nice if it's green, but there's just so much uh, that it requires to keep it that way. I'd rather go for the plants that have about 12 feet of root growth. So yeah, I think we could do a whole pot on on uh, yard projects. So yeah, that's couldn't. what I happen to do over Father's Day. But you know what? We should probably you know skip that stuff. Save everyone <laughs> the pain. I might have recruited you once or twice myself, and uh, I, I'm going to tell you a little secret. My sister has you in the hopper for next summer, so oh, don't be, really? Don't be surprised oh, if there's a couple of more uh, requests for for your back labor. Um, <laughs> so, so speaking of labor, Isaac, the the Timberwolves added some labor over the uh, NBA draft, and we got three new players: uh, two in the first round and one in the second. So. Your immediate impressions, in particular with Walker Kessler and um, our old friend Wendell Moore Jr. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's good depth. Um, you know, they, they kind of address some needs, I would say, especially with Walker Kessler. Um, but I mean, we'll see. Like they're young, right? And uh, we'll see how they kind of how they kind of play out. Um, Walker Kessler, I'm excited about, but I don't know how many highlight videos you watched of that guy. Um, he blocks the crap out of people, but in college, a lot of his like highlight blocks are against dudes that are like a foot shorter than him. Um, which I get it. He's tall. It's hard to find anyone that's his size. But at the same time, it's like, like, how, how does this guy do matched up against other seven foot guys? You know, that's kind of like, cause that's what he's going to have to do in the NBA. Um, of course, you're going to have to switch them to smaller guards at times. So maybe that like college highlight reel will come through to the NBA on, on that stuff, but guards are a lot quicker in the NBA. Um, but I mean, he's he was what he was the defensive player of the year, right? Yeah, I mean, the guy averaged four and a half blocks in yeah. competitive um, SEC, and yeah, I, I mean, I look at him and the stats, you know, they jump out at you. The, maybe not the points per game. I don't think he's a, a, a polished offensive player, um, but yeah. you know, shooting twenty one percent from three in the modern NBA, you know, um, you got to wonder like if, if he finds a, a place in the rotation, it's probably going to be as your um, 
as your as your five in in matchups against big teams. So you're looking at 15, yeah. 20 minutes a game. But you know, if he can bring that same shot blocking presence that he did at Auburn, but I have the same concern. Like you watch him and you know, offensively, I think part of the issue in terms of the the the, the level of polish is that he just he takes a long time to kind of get into his his uh his shot into like into his move. And on defense, that's why he's primarily a drop defender in the pick and roll. So I think if he's sitting at the rim and waiting for guys to come at him, I think, you know, that's probably his best bet. I don't like him as a as a as a as a perimeter defender, um, just in terms of having to defend the pick and roll. And I also wonder mm. with, you know, these uber uber talented guards in the nba if they're just going to be able to get around those those slow arms um yeah i I think the first year is going to be a bit rough but i mean if say if he's like you know the backup to cat he's really only only going to get like what 10 12 minutes a game um like do we still have nas reed here how many minutes is he going to get so i don't think like he's going to get a ton of minutes where it's going to be like alarming but if he can put in like a solid 10 minutes a game i think that's a pretty good win for his rookie year yeah, I, I just worry long term about the translation of his athleticism to the NBA. Um, you know, it, but you know, all uh, reports point towards him being a really great guy and and um, a hard worker. And he loves you know, lakes. He yeah, came to the right place. <laughs> he does, right? His grandpa was a gopher back in the early '60s, and his dad was born in Minneapolis and spent some time in Redwood Falls. So, yeah, he's got some pretty deep Minnesota connections. So, um, I'm hoping less uh, Cherokee parks and. Um, just you know slow white dudes that do well in college um you know hasn't really panned out all that well most of the time so we'll see (laughs) the fan base seems to be mixed um what about wendell moore yeah i feel like he's he's kind of a good a a good do-it-all guy i'd say he's pretty average at everything um got a good three-point shot though i think it was like i saw a stat somewhere where he was like 44 percent from the corner or something like that um so if he can do stuff like that and be a good defender, which I know he was touted as a pretty good defender, um, I think he'll be a good role player. I don't I don't see him having a high ceiling or anything, but he's a guy that can give you some more solid minutes off the bench, which, I mean, at his position, like, we don't really need much more than that. Like, Edwards is there. Depends where you see McDaniels. He's there. Um, we still have Beasley on this team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good pickup. Supposedly, he's known Anthony Edwards for... A long time so it's kind of like a rekindling of a friendship right so yeah yeah i i kind of i kind of feel the same way like it, it's hard with these duke prospects in the same way it is with these kentucky prospects like didn't didn't devin booker come off the bench when he played at kentucky um, yeah i think he did yeah which is like for, the weirdest thing when you like blew up or people were talking about him it's like right but you know you think <laughs> about like when you've got a, a team um and duke had five guys go in the draft right mark williams and aj griffin and and um Paolo and um, Wendell Moore and uh, that little uh, Roach, the point guard. Um, okay, yeah. yeah, so it's like, and, and he didn't really, I mean, he got off to a slow start in college, but in his junior year, which was this last season, when he did play well, and I, I think you're right, like he's a good on-ball defender and off-ball defender. He's, he, he's uh, one of those guys with the intangibles, and he shoots a good three-ball. So with, mm-hmm. you know, at, at, at six, he's a little... You know, in terms of like a, a great wing defender at six four, I worry a little bit about his length in terms of being able to start stop these elite, um, you know, two and threes in the NBA. But you know, yeah, it felt a little bit like a Minnesota Vikings draft, didn't it? I think so. Moving and shaking and trading this pick for that pick and getting two here <laughs> instead of one there, and 
Um, what about the... Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you expected them to do something. I mean, they had the one first round and three second rounds going into it. So, like, I didn't, wasn't quite expecting the moves they did make, but it was like you knew there was going to be some kind of trades on draft night because they're not going to take three second round picks. Yeah, and the, and the, the last guy they brought in, of course... Um, could potentially have the highest upside. Uh, I think he was Josh Minot was taken uh, forward out of Memphis at the at the forty five pick is where we ended up landing. Um, and you know, I I heard on a podcast actually just this morning that Josh Holland or John Hollinger had him in his in his uh, lottery. So mm. I, I you, you kind of got to wonder like some of these guys that come out of college, you know, they're in the top fifty of their recruiting class and. They don't have the best season in their freshman year, but they enter the NBA draft. Like, um, like take a flyer on him at forty-five. Why not? You know, he's six-nine. Um, not a great three-point shooter, but you know, you're bringing him in to to kind of shore up your front court. So we'll see. You know, if one of these three pop, what I what we don't know is that um, who was our GM that got fired for having the affair? Person uh, Rosas. Yeah, we saw him be able to really find talent like deep in the first round and even into the second and even in an undrafted guys, you know, but we'll, we'll see what Tim Connolly and, and his group, um, which still includes Sachin Gupta um, in terms of their ability to find that same level of value um, deeper in the draft. But overall, well, he, go ahead. He's had a track back record of that too. So, I mean, just, just look at the Joker himself. <laughs> Tim Connolly, you mean? <laughs> Tim Connolly. Yeah. He's had a track record of finding talent deeper in the draft. Yeah, no, for sure. He's Denver's had a, a pretty pretty strong run here in terms of um, getting guys that have proven to be rotation players or better at the NBA level. You know, not necessarily in the lottery. So, before we move out of the draft in the lottery, our old friend from Minnehaha Academy, um, the Slim Reaper Chet Holmgren, of course, uh, goes to Gonzaga for a year and gets drafted number two by the, the um, OKC Thunder. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on where he went and the potential fit down there in Oklahoma City? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great spot for him. There's, I feel like there's a lot of room for him to just kind of grow and figure it out, um, which will be nice. Like, I think he'll put up good stats, but they're going to lose a lot yet this year. Um, and I just, like, he's going to get pushed around, obviously. I mean, you look at the guy, and he's, like, he's so skinny, unbelievably skinny. So it depends, like, what he's going to be guarding in the NBA, but like a lot of these guys are, are jacked. So I don't, I think he's going to have a rude awakening with that. I'm also curious, hoping he stays healthy um, just cause he is so, so thin, but um, I expect good stats, not much wins. Well, that seems to be um, the, 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 the blueprint for Oklahoma city the last few years, right? Like yeah. keep amassing uh, draft picks, keep amassing young talent. And you know, with, Josh Giddy having popped last year and they still have, um, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander from that, from the LA Clippers trade where they sent Paul George out the door and now you got Holmgren, like you've got a nice little core, um, mm-hmm. in OKC. So, Blue you know, are, do you think they're at the point where you start trying to build a winning culture? I don't know. They still have how many picks in the next seven years? Six yeah, years? they've got all the picks in the world, but at some point, like you've got to say, do we have enough talent to like cash in? And maybe they're a year or two away. Especially yeah, if think, they go ahead. I think they should take a few more stabs in the draft just to get like a bit more talent. But they're they're getting closer. I mean, they've definitely got some guys. Well, his shot blocking, you know, with both hands at the NBA level and incredible coordination. I think you're right. Like he's going to get, you know, teams are going to 
um, do what they can because he's got a, a slight frame, but he does not have a slight attitude. I mean, this guy, he's mm. got some, he's got some dog in him he's and a mean streak. Yeah. He, he, and, 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 you know, I don't think it's going to take him long if he is getting pushed around a little bit because of his size to, um, start drinking some protein shakes and hitting the gym. <laughs> um, I like Chet and, you know, you know, that SGA giddy Chet, Chet core and OKC is going to be, I think, a, definitely a, a leak pass watch. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move back to the Timberwolves, though, two other quick teams, uh, potential league pass uh, teams to follow this season. What are your thoughts on um, on Detroit and what they did, what they've done the last two years? Yeah, I mean, Detroit this offseason, or at least for the draft, probably my favorite, what they all picked up. Um, I mean, Jaden Ivey they got, and then they got uh, Duran. Is that how you say his name? I think so, yeah. Jalen Duran. Yeah, and then am I missing a guy? Did they have a third guy in there? Well, those were the two big names, Jalen Duran out of Memphis, of course, and um, yeah. Ivy, who everybody thought would have gone forward to Sacramento, but I guess Sacramento's done picking point guards after doing it for the last 14 years. No, but Detroit, Detroit will be fun. I mean, Cade's, I feel like Cade Cunningham's a great guy to, to build around um, being their first pick last year. They've just got a lot of, like, a lot of stuff to work out. I mean, they got a Marvin Bagley, who's, you know, on kind of on a, on a prove-it deal. Um and just like a lot of young guys. So I, I think there's like, there should be some excitement in Detroit. I, again, I don't think it's going to lead to a lot of wins, but if you can like build towards something and you actually have like a vision of maybe something to come, like that's got to be a little bit exciting for Detroit outside of, you know, the Stan Van Gundy days when you're trading for awful contracts and a washed up Blake Griffin and all that kind of stuff. And, this is a better, a little better era for them because at least they're like building towards something versus just like wasting away their resources. No, you're 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 absolutely. It's it, it's exciting what Detroit's been able to do, and of course, you know they've gotten a little bit lucky in the draft. But mm-hmm. with Cunningham and Sadiq Bay from Villanova um, has checked out, mm-hmm. and now they yeah. got now they got Jalen Duran and Jaden Ivey, and like you said, Marvin Bagley's you know he's probably been a bit of a disappointment in terms yeah. of what you expected from him, but. He's 23 years old. He's 6'11 and an $11 million contract. So why not take a flyer on him for a year? And, you know, Killian Hayes has been a disappointment, but he's mm-hmm. also only 20 years old. You just go up and down their roster and it's like um, Isaiah Stewart. You know, they've got, they're all like 25 and under. So I think Detroit could could be another good watch. And then Houston, um, of course, with Jabari Smith now and Jalen Green, I was texting you like, is this shades of young OKC with Russ and, and KD, and you're like, uh, not quite. So tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> I just think there's too many question marks with them. Like, Jalen Green's a great, great scorer, but I just don't know, like, what he is as a teammate or even as, like, a defender. Um, and then I think Jabari, like, Jabari's the guy for me that, I don't know, he's just got so much question marks around him. Like, I feel like the other two guys in the top three, you can kind of figure out what they're going to be. Whereas Jabari, I feel like, yeah, he could be, you know, what, what was the player you were comparing him to? Brandon Ingram, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe his. I said his floor is Brandon Ingram, and you said Brandon Ingram Lakers, and I said Brandon Ingram Pelicans. It's probably somewhere in between those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would debate that Brandon Ingram Pelicans would be his his ceiling. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't see it in terms of like him becoming like a like a superstar. Um, just just based on maybe just his like like his behavior his personality i don't know it just doesn't seem like it seems like he's he's too quiet like he he kind of backs down from from things at times which i mean he's had big plays in college but i just like and maybe it's just because that auburn team 
was weird. And so I'm like getting thrown off, you know, the stench from that Auburn team. But um, I don't know. I just like, he could be great. He could also be like just a total role player. Yeah. I being too low on him, but I think his three point shooting, you know, his on ball defense and the fact that like, he's already a bucket getter and like, you know, they didn't run a lot of stuff for him, despite him being one of the, the premier offensive players in the country. Um, I, I really, I mean, I, I'm not calling him, I don't think his ceiling is KD. I think KD is the best, probably the best scoring forward of all time, but yeah. um, the way that he can just pull up from the mid range and his, um, ability to play make and, and the fact that he's not a liability on defense. We'll see, you know, KD was also pretty, you know, kind of an introvert coming into the NBA back in 07. And we'll see if Jabari follows in his footsteps with burner accounts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you and know, trade demands, I guess, <laughs> you know, um, so that, you know, that, that just thinking about like the wolves of, you know, and the Grizzlies were kind of the young, exciting teams. And now like, we're kind of in that next echelon up because with, with Detroit and OKC and Houston, among others, Sacramento, I guess you could throw them in there. There's a lot of teams that have some young talent that they've coalesced and it'll be interesting to see which, um, which of those teams really is going to be on the up and up. But speaking of KD, let's move for a minute into free agency. Um, do the Wolves have a shot at KD? Is there any possibility in this universe that the Timberwolves could potentially have what is probably when he's healthy, one of the best three or four players in the NBA. No, <laughs> no shot. Not even a shot. I'm not even going to talk much about it. No, I don't. I mean, I don't, would we even want to like, cause what would we have to give up to get KD? We'd have to give up. I mean, you, you either have to give up one of cat or, or ant, right? And Ant, you'd have to package a lot more with it. I mean, I, both of them, you'd probably have to package more with it just because KD is, like, one of the better players in the NBA right now. But I just, like, do you do that and have, like, a Jimmy Butler all over again? Jimmy Butler is not Kevin Durant. No, but I mean, like, like KD would be here for a year, and then he'd be like, oh, Minnesota, this sucks because the weather blows, and I don't know, blah, 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 blah. And so he'd, like, ask for a trade after a year. Like, I don't want that. I don't want anything to do with him, really. I mean, if if we can, if we, the one, the one instance where I would take KD is if we could trade D'Lo for KD and some kind of package regarding D'Lo. If we can keep Cat Ant and have KD add to that. Uh, that's impossible. Okay. There's no way. I know, that... I, no, no, no. I know it's impossible, but I'm saying that's the only way I consider it. I would say this, like now that Cat with his Supermax that was signed yesterday, uh, four years, was it 200 and was it 25 or 45 million? Yeah. A lot of money. Now he's on the books for six years with the Wolves. Would you take six years of Towns or let's say two to three of Kevin Durant entering his 16th season? Let's say it's, it, 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 it would be a couple of draft picks, first rounders, um, Towns, and probably one or two of our young players. Yeah, I, if it's multiple years, I, yeah, I could, I'd be down for that. If, I mean, it's, if, one year, if it's one year, no. A one-year rental is not because I don't think it'd still be tough to get to the, to the finals for that. When I'd rather like build chemistry in a team. But if it's multiple years, yes, I think I, I would because he's one of the best players. I don't think the Timberwolves in any scenario are going to give up on Ant. So like the only question would be then Towns, and you know from him signing the supermax doesn't look like him either. But if you took Towns um, and 
you know, a, a, one or two of the young guys and a couple of future first rounders and sent them to, to, to Brooklyn. And you pair Kevin Durant with young Anthony Edwards and then D'Lo coming off the books next year. That opens up a potential max slot for a third guy. And mm. that's got to be pretty appealing if you've got Kevin Durant and Anthony Edwards. Like, despite, you know, the minus 10 degrees in, in mid-January. Like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't give up Ant. There's no way. But if if yeah. if if Cat and stuff could pair those up for a couple of years. Now, my, my issue might be that Ant's a little bit maybe young in terms of his ability to, you know, to be a, a true, like, deep run in the playoffs kind of guy. But if he's your second guy, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, Katie trade. I mean, you know, the other destinations, Portland, they don't have much more than we do. They got Dame Lillard and they're a small market. Um, Phoenix, of course, they're a finals contender and they've got a lot of, a lot of depth, but they've been mentioned. Um, but I've, you know, in that second ring, like could something with Zion go down in new Orleans, you know, cat young, couple of young guys and picks in Minnesota. Like, I've heard us kind of in that in that fourth or fifth team where like, and you know Connolly is going to think about it. Like he, he oh, hundred percent. So he tried, he tried to lure LeBron to Denver once upon a time. Obviously, wasn't successful, but yeah, the man's well, not he, shy. He's done better in the draft. Um, I haven't, you know, he really hasn't been a wheeler and dealer in terms of bringing in big guys. But you know that Anthony Edwards piece, I think that's. Maybe I don't know if we're there yet, but he's the kind of guy that you know could really draw some guys to the city. Um, yeah. So w- what about D'Lo? Uh, nobody seems to want him, including, as my friend Alex says, the Timberwolves. <laughs> Poor D'Angelo Russell on the books again for thirty plus million, uh, one year deal or one year left in his contract, so he'll be an expiring. Had a good season, as you always say, Isaac. He was a big part of the turnaround. He was a big part of that play-in game, but he kind of disappointed against the Grizzlies. They really shut him down, and he was a liability on defense, too, in that first-round series. Um, have we seen the last of D'Lo, or do you think we ride the contract out? Where, where do you land on this? I mean, I think we ride it out. If um, I, just, I just don't think we're going to get enough value for him. Um, we, to me, we'd have to get like a starter in return for him to make it worth it. And I just think I just think people need to like like I get it's the playoffs I get that, but like I think people need to like look at the season as a whole instead of just looking at that Memphis series, because Dilo was was really good. I mean he was a big part of the team. Yes, he didn't show up in the playoffs. It was really discouraging, but also like we're moving into his final year of the contract, and you know a lot of a lot of players get more motivated by that. Um, so I think we need to stick with him at least till the trade deadline see what he see what he's doing you know maybe he raises his stock or maybe he's at a point where we just hold on to him um but i just think people are way too hard on him i don't know he improved a lot last year our team improved a lot and i I just don't get why our fans expect us to win the finals like two like a year after we win 26 games it just doesn't make sense to me well it's the kevin fiala syndrome right like and Kevin Fiala probably meant more to the Wild than D'Lo did to the Timberwolves. Um, ended up, I think, having the second most goals in franchise history behind Kaprizov, of course, having the most this year or points at least. But you know, of course, he gets traded, um, and immediately signed to a seven-year deal. And uh, but he didn't perform in the playoffs either. I mean, he was a, he was a no-show in that first-round Wild series, and D'Lo was kind of a no-show. 
Like he really didn't impact the Memphis series at all. Now, Cat, Cat had his moments. Cat was uh, immature and a crybaby and like followed out a couple of times and was in foul trouble almost every game. But he had moments and his stats weren't probably what you were hoping for. But, you know, like I can build off that. My concern is just, I, I wouldn't call him a liability defensively, but he's not an asset. D'Lo. And then if if you can shut him down on offense, if he's not hitting his three and he's not going to get that herky-jerky stuff in the lane where he can get his shots off in the paint, like against these, you know, better perimeter defenders in the playoffs, like maybe the fan base is saying we've seen our ceiling with him. Hmm. I, dis- I disagree. It's one series. It's one series against one team that was really good at the time. They're high-flying. They're young. Like, we're young, too. We still got a ways to grow and, like... Who knows what Ant's going to turn into? You know, is Cat still going to improve in certain areas? You know, is, does D'Lo see this playoff series and and also his next contract coming and realize, oh, you know, oh crap, I got to get my my shit together, you know? So I just, I don't know. I, to, to me, he's he improved enough on defense last year to where maybe he's not a positive, but he's not a negative. And maybe maybe he showed that in times in Memphis, and I don't get what happened with Memphis, but like throughout the season, he was, he was not a negative. Yeah. I mean, what happened against Memphis is that they had a lot of perimeter defenders that are really tough and really long and really good. Yeah. And so they shut him down. Um, and all right. But even like defensively, like he kind of wasn't like, like he, he could have been a little more impactful defensively. I mean, I don't, I don't think he was horrible defensively, but he was just, so horrible offensively that I think it made his defense, you know, that much worse too. Like sometimes when, when you're not going on one, one end of the court, sometimes it affects the other end of the court for you. And I just think that was the case in that series. Yeah. Well, he averaged 12 points a game and 33% from the floor. And I think it, you know, if they, he is the kind of guy where I think he, his shot kind of has to be falling and he's got to be involved in, if not as much in scoring, like really playmaking to see him pick up, um, some of the tab on the defensive end. So I, you know, after that series, I think I was all out, like got to get rid of him. But the more and more I look at free agency and what we could potentially get in terms of trade value for him versus his expiring contract and flexibility in the 2023 summer, you know, he, he, he was part of the turnaround and he was a veteran presence. And um, he, he seems, I mean, he's a good friend with cat. He seemed to jive well with the young guys. He was clutch you know, for much of the regular season, um, ice in his mm-hmm. veins in Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's growing on me unless you can get something back. Like you said, that is an impact player. Um, and that has given you 30, 35 minutes a game. My question oh. would be, is there any way D'Lo and something for Rudy Gobert, you know, talk about two guys that have their limitations. Both have maybe disappointed in the playoffs, both, franchise fan bases seem to sour have soured on them a little bit um what do you what would you think about that i mean i i think i'd take that starting a starting five is like what i ultimately want this offseason and i feel like if delo's the way we can get a pretty good starting five big man then i'd be okay with it um my question would be why the heck would utah accept that trade I don't know. I mean, unless they decide that, I mean, either they run it back with Rudy, which doesn't seem to be the way, the direction they want to go. And they've got, um, what's his name? Danny Ainge from Boston out there. 
you know, running things now. So I think they're going to do something. Danny Ainge, when he comes into a franchise, is not one to sit around and twiddle his thumb. I would say it would have to be probably D'Lo and somebody that's really promising, you know, like a Vanderbilt or a McDaniels. Um, yeah. And then he's like, okay, you know, can I pair D'Lo alongside of Mitchell? And do I have a couple, do I have a wing defender that's a two-way player potentially in on, on a young contract? And, you know, then that gives him some flexibility. I got that expiring coming off my books next year with D'Lo. So, you know, there's a world where maybe the value isn't 100% equal, but in terms of getting a young player, maybe a pick or and or the flexibility next summer, it becomes attractive, especially if they have really decided that they're not going to bring back the Mitchell Gobert core. But doesn't seem to yeah. be a lot of uh, a buzz around D'Lo uh, in national NBA circles. I, I just would much rather go after for a center, like would much rather go after someone who's in like kind of the mid tiers, um, you know, like like a like a Miles Turner, like uh, gosh, who else can I think of? Um, I mean, Miles Turner, in my opinion, would be like the optimal choice, but. Um, if we get Miles or, Turner, or, I, I'm going to take you out for a a, a, a beverage. <laughs> you you had a love affair with him for like the every time there's a trade possibility, like Miles Turner comes up. Well, you know what my favorite trade would be. This is what I want the the Wolves to do, and this involves D'Lo. I want them. I want the Wolves to trade D'Lo and Beasley, and probably like a protected first for Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner. Yeah, well, both of those guys seem to be on the trading block. Yeah, for I would love that. That would be such a great fit with our team because you'd actually have like a, a guard that can actually like run, you know, run the offense. And I don't think he's always looking for a shot, but he can. He can find a shot, but he's not. He's not like a shoot first guard like D'Lo can be at times. And then Turner's like, I mean, he's only getting paid like eighteen million, which was what I would prefer as a center, not what Gobert's in like the thirty range, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and that's just like that's way too much for a guy that can't create his own offense. You know, all right. I don't know. Two more questions for you before we wrap up today on our power pod, Isaac. Um, Do you have any concerns about the twins locking in towns for six or the Timberwolves locking in towns for six years at that point? Actually being here for six years. Well, no, just about us having, you know, we, he qualified for the super max after getting, um, he was all NBA 13 for the second time in his career. And, you know, we should have him at this point through the end of his prime. I mean, provided he 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 stays in Minnesota the entire time. So, yeah. Is do you do you think the the strategy is we think that a year or two from now, Ants are one and Towns is about as good of a number two as you're going to get in the NBA in a, in a mid or small market. Yeah, I mean that'd be the hope. I hate I hate the contract, but you kind of got to do it. Like if you want him to stay here. Um, He's not going to take any less than that. So, well, obviously, if he goes to another team, he's going to take less than that. But I, it's too much. It's too much for Cat. But if he is our best player, if he's, especially if he carries, carries us through the season and he can end up being our second best player to Ants 1, I think it's worth it. But, man, if it's just in the grand scheme of things, he's like he's not that good of a player. He's really not. In the grand scheme of things, the difference, though, is that by the time this deal goes into effect, well, or maybe one year in, right now the the uh, the NBA announced the salary cap has been set at 123 million for 
2022-23, but with the um, you know, the the by 2025 they're saying 170 to 175 million. So that wow. 56 million a year at 4 for 224 probably doesn't have quite the impact, you know, especially because it's not like we're signing him to the Supermax that starts um next year, right? It's this year yeah. and next year and then that extension goes into effect. So um yeah, yeah, I mean the NBA is doing well, so the, the that that TV money is really driving up that salary cap um yeah, I guess I guess if the cap goes up by that much, it doesn't hurt as much. But like when you compare that like fifty mil a year to a hundred and twenty, like that hurts. Yeah, no. Yeah. It does it does it does lock us in, but again, he's you know, a top fifteen NBA player two of the last four years, at least by all NBA voting. So I was gonna I was gonna say, is he for sure or is that just due to positioning when it comes to all nba yeah well adam silver is talking about you know making the the voting position list so i i kind of wonder but he was a fringe you know mvp vote this year like before the playoffs hit like you know town the playoffs i think he took a couple of dings in his armor um but yeah i I agree with you i it's a lot of money it's not going to hurt as much when the new tv deal comes in and, and that salary cap gets pushed up but I think given we're in Minnesota, like, and he's the second best player in franchise history at this point, you kind of have to do it. So, um, and it gives you some certainty about building around Anthem, especially once that 30 plus million comes off the books next year with Russell, who I assume, unless he has the, the, the year of his life that we probably don't resign. All right. Last (laughs) thing on the agenda. Um, of course we've seen more Instagram videos this summer, you know, with our good friend, Anthony Edwards down in Georgia. But oh, man, man, this this guy's making the rounds. Like, first you see him in a um, number one movie on Netflix, right? Yeah, and, and hustle. hustle. And then over the last day or two, you know, he's been uh, uh, kind of a splash on Twitter. Tom Brady even calling him out for his seventy yard bombs. It looked like yeah. it was at the University of Georgia. Just, I mean, this guy. I think Bill Simmons called him the Bo Jackson of this generation. I'm not sure that's so far off. Yeah, no kidding. What like what can't the guy do? I just love how like how he just attracts people to him. Like even just getting a shout out from Tom Brady. Like, when would you expect that from you know a Minnesota athlete? That's just wow. We better be careful though. He might be uh he might be Gronk's replacement here if uh, we're not careful. So. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, those those video clips of him throwing those that football, um, and then just kind of a natural as the villain on on the movie Hustle with Adam Sandler yeah. and. Good film. It, it's good to see him out there, down there working out again this off season. Um, you know, last year I would say the two things that I that jumped out to me the most in terms of his 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 leap from from year one to year two in the NBA, Isaac, were the three the consistent three point shooting and the stroke mm-hmm. and just kind of the swag that we saw mm-hmm. in year one. I, I still, you know, I'd like to see more consistent you know, less streakiness and more consistent, like dog on defense in year three. Mm-hmm. Like if he's going to make that jump again, like I think those are, and then getting to the rim more and drawing more fouls for free throws, anything, oh. anything year three that you're hoping to see out of ant that I haven't already mentioned. Yeah. The last piece you just said, I think just him like drawing more fouls. Um, Cause I mean, he's a guy you want to keep taking it to the hoop, not only just to get like easier buckets, but you kind of want him with that like body build to just punish defenders. And the only problem with like, so far he hasn't been able to draw those fouls as much as I think he should be. 
Um, so I don't know who they have like training with them this summer, but hopefully they're really working on, you know, how, how do you, how do you move your body just right and like do the right movements to get the ref to blow their whistle? And cause if he can get to the line, like, I don't know what he's at right now. Do you know what he's at? In terms of, um, like drawing Attempts. Yeah. I mean, it, what it was, he, there was an uptick from his first year, but still, I think less season average than you, you would hope for with a guy with his athleticism and his body. And it is, I mean, part of it by year three, he's made it into the playoffs. He had a couple, he had a couple of really big games. Um, he's getting onto the radar, which is going to help him get calls from, you know, a lot of those veteran yeah. NBA referees. But I think the other piece of it is that you're right. It part, you know, drawing fouls is, is an art and, yeah. you know, I don't want him to become James Harden. Um, no. but like just getting to the rim, using his body and like making guys pay, like I'm going to get my bucket or you're going to stop me, but I'm going to get my free throws. So, right. Yeah. Um, I think, so he was just under four free throws, his rookie and his sophomore year. So if he could like, I know it's streaming, but if he could like legitimately double that, if he could get to eight, like that's going to be a pretty dirty version of Anthony Edwards. Yeah. AKA Kermit Wiltz. Kermit Wiltz. <laughs> All right. Cause well, we, we did, we got 38 minutes in today. We, we covered the draft and the free agency for the wolves as we wanted to. Um, would you be willing to take us out as you always have? <laughs> definitely uh thank you all for listening um man it's been a while but we got back here so more power pods to come and uh stay safe out there <laughs>